You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another additionally Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. The fallout of week number six, the Sunday action, all that you need to know is up there. We'll later have the pick straight up and against the spread there for you to check out on Tuesday morning, as well as my decider column start sit there for week seven. We'll move forward with that here on Locked On Fantasy Football. We start another week. Like we always do, we do it with the Roundup Monday. We look at all the most important things you need to know from the Sunday action from a fantasy football perspective to help you going forward in Week 7 and beyond. Here are things you must know, developments that are disappointing, surprising, good, bad, ugly. We cover it all here for you on Monday's show. We'll turn our attention to the waiver wire tomorrow ahead of Week 7 with Pickup Tuesday. Then Matchup Wednesday, Matchup Thursday, double shot of breaking down all the games. Then close it here on the week with lineup Friday, taking everything we've learned, putting it in a DFS blender for DraftKings and FanDuel targets across positions as well as injury updates you need to know. So welcome if you haven't been here for a full week, but this is the progressive we call Locked on Fantasy Football. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, time to dive in. We had uh, only 14 games this week. I still have one more to finish with the Bills and Titans. There we also had a Thursday nighter against with the Bucks and the Eagles. So we'll break down the rest of the games here, starting with our early morning kickoff in London for us on the East Coast here. The Dolphins and the Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars come back with two long field goals by Matthew Wright to win their first game of the season. Dolphins fall to one and five. So the two Florida teams not named the Buccaneers are both one and five. Let's take the positive from the Dolphins game, and that's the fact that Tua Tagvola returned, and he looked pretty good uh, controlling the offense, and it really kind of kept the offense they had with uh, Jacoby Brissett. Here was hamstrung, so they could make the easy transition back to Tagvola, who came back from his ribs injury. It looked pretty good. He did make some mistakes, but for fantasy, we're not looking to start Tua. We're looking for him to facilitate the playmakers on this team, much like we saw with Jacoby Brissett, and that happened here for sure. Devontae Parker is on the shelf now, so that's changing maybe the pecking order of where the Dolphins go. The rookie, Jail Waddle, however, was healthy, and he scored twice here. So their reunion with uh, Tua Tagvola really helped Waddle. He was kind of quiet when Brissett was out there. So big development there that Waddle's the guy, Parker on the shelf. Other guys hurting for the Dolphins. So it made a lot of sense that Waddle would be the guy there. So took advantage of this good matchup. We wanted to see what was going to happen. If it was uh, Jacoby in there, we might have... Uh, Relied on Waddle less, but now we know Tagvola is going to look to Waddle a lot in the short passing game. Gone are the thoughts of throwing the ball deep here. They're just too limited in the receiving core and don't have that pass protection they need. So throwing underneath the shorter balls. That's what we saw Waddle scoring here twice. And another big game for Mike Gusecki with the tight end landscape pretty bad behind uh, Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. I mean, Mike Gusecki has to be an every week play at tight end. He was a security blanket for Tagvola at 
plus yards receiving in this one. So he picked up his production where he left off. And I think that's what the Dolphins are realizing. Let's not try to reinvent the wheel here. We're a short passing team to intermediate routes. Let's not force the deep ball, especially with Will Fuller not available for us or Parker in this passing game. So they've adjusted well. Unfortunately, that did not trickle down to Miles Gaskin. He had the big receiving game against the Buccaneers, but they totally forgot about him in this game as a runner and a receiver. Malcolm Brown was the leading rusher not named Tagovailoa in this game. So really frustrating to see Salvin Ahmed also get touches. So this Dolphins backfield, it's hard to trust from week to week. You didn't get any production here in a very good matchup against Jaguars. They tried to piecemeal Brown, Ahmed, and Gaskin and got absolutely nothing out of that. So really... The only Dolphins you can look at right now are Waddle as a wide receiver three with a bullet with some upside, and Gusecki is a locked-in tight end one every week. Now with the Jaguars, the one guy we're always going with, and now he's pushed into RB1 territory, is James Robinson. He had the slow start for the first couple of weeks, but it's been fantastic for Robinson ever since. He looks good. They're feeding him the ball everywhere. They're uh, dumping off passes to him. What's hurting is LaVisca Chenault Jr. is not really doing much here, so it's pretty much flowing through James Robinson in the running game, and Marvin Jones had 100 yards receiving in this one in the passing game. So the veteran Jones getting it done here with the score for Trevor Lawrence as the Jaguars win. Robinson with the other score, a whole bunch of other field goals there otherwise. But yeah, these are the two guys of the principals on the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence you still can't trust because Robinson's always making sure he doesn't get multiple touchdowns here in games. And you know... Just not involved enough, and this is what the Jaguars want to do. Stay in a game so they can stick with the run, throw to Marvin Jones, throw to the tight ends and spread the ball around a little bit, and that's what you saw in this game without uh, DJ Chark. So this is their ideal game plan to win games. A lot of Robinson, a little bit of Jones, limiting Lawrence's exposure here and getting hit and making mistakes, and that's what they were able to do in this particular game. Now let's uh, flip to games on the soil of the United States at the 1 p.m. Eastern time window. What a one-sided game this Ravens-Chargers affair was. We thought it was going to be a shootout, and uh, that kind of really hurt the numbers of Lamar Jackson as well as Justin Herbert. This Ravens defense really got after it. The pass rush was looking good. The secondary has been depleted, but it overachieved here. So good rebound performance on a short week coming off an overtime game on Monday night against the Colts where... Ravens were just destroyed. The Chargers had a lot of momentum coming out of that Brown shootout that they were able to win last week. So very surprising result here that the Chargers were just out of sorts here. Justin Herbert was off from the very beginning. Mike Williams wasn't at 100% coming in the game. So he, he and Keenan Allen struggled here. Austin Eckler really didn't have a good game. So just a terrible game for this Chargers young offense. We just couldn't come through at all. It's going to happen. Herbert's a young player. And some of the things they do is dictate under what he can do and execute, and it did not happen in this game. So there's a quick anointing. Is Justin Herbert the best quarterback in the NFL now after what he did against the Browns? I think we have to pump our brakes on that because, again, he's volatile. He's a young quarterback, and this was a tough matchup. On the road, an early start there for a West Coast team, and uh, the Ravens really uh, surprised some people with the way they were playing defense in this one. So very interesting here what uh, – the Ravens were able to do defensively. And again, just chalk it up to a, an experienced quarterback and a running into a bit of a wall where the Ravens made a lot of good adjustments here defensively to really curb the entire Chargers' fantasy value. Now, that hurt Lamar Jackson because he didn't have to put the ball in the air all that much. And what also hurt Lamar Jackson is what the heck was going on. Latavius Murray, he got injured late against uh, the 
Chargers here. They had Le'Veon Bell score a touchdown, as well as Murray, as well as Devonta Freeman. So three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown for Lamar. The Chargers' pass defense we know is pretty tough. They had a couple picks of Lamar, so not as big game as he thought. He needed one more touchdown to really have the nice floor there, and typically he gets it. It's very weird to have three rushing touchdowns by three people and none of them being Jackson for the Ravens. So a bit of an anomaly there. So were the turnovers. Kind of cooled off big time. So two guys that were sizzling in week five, really disappointed in fantasy in week six. Again, I'm not sure where it goes. It was Ravens' backfield with Latavius Murray hurt. You've got a combination of Freeman and Bell. We're not sure who they're going to trust most out of those two guys. So it's been tough to get to consistent, trusted production from the Ravens' backfield. Murray looked like the guy in this game, but again, banged up. The other two backs look pretty well there. So, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this committee. It was a very quiet game for Marquise Brown. He had Rashad Bateman make his debut. He looked pretty good. The rookie from Minnesota, first-round pick. But it was still Lamar to uh, Mark Andrews for the lone touchdown. So Andrews, second straight uh, game where he scored. Now he's had uh, three touchdowns the last two weeks after not scoring in the first four weeks. So Andrews is locked and loaded here with Jackson. We're going to have to see. And uh, maybe the arrival of Bateman is going to hurt Brown a little bit more. Also games where the Ravens can run at will and do whatever they want are going to hurt because that's going to cut down the volume of Lamar Jackson. That's what we saw. I don't think this is going to be a consistent case. They get the Bengals this week, so let's hope that Joe Burrow and that offense can uh, provide a little bit more resistance so Lamar has to throw quite a bit and can not afford to be as sloppy with the ball. And uh, the Bengals matchup is good. Again, you don't want it too easy for the Ravens with their running game and the game script being so positive with their defense. When it's a little bit of a doubt, high-scoring affair, that's where Lamar is going to get you those big, big numbers here. He didn't have to do too much. He almost played caretaker in this game to some degree with such a big lead. So... Yeah, it's one of those weird things that can happen in fantasy football. But yeah, weird, weird, most disappointing performance, however, by the Chargers. Now let's uh, switch to the game in Carolina, staying on the East Coast. Let's start with the Vikings. This is the Vikings' optimal lineup here. Dalvin Cook comes back. He runs awesomely against his weak Panthers run defense. What does happen after that? It opens up the entire pass game. So Adam Thielen has the big game. Justin Jefferson with a solid game. So they're going to interchange sometimes. Here with who gets used bigger. Uh, we also had uh, big plays from Tyler Conklin and K.J. Osborne. Had the game-winning touchdown there in overtime. So Conklin and Osborne haven't been involved. But what, what we're seeing here is when the Vikings are rolling with Cook, he changes their whole dynamic offensively. you got to respect Cook. He's a big chunk runner. He could uh, take over games. That opens up a play-action passing game for Kirk Cousins. So did have high expectations for Cousins. It was a bit of a grind there for much of this game. But the uh, Panthers made it a game, uh, really with low chance of tying the game. They did so late. There are a couple fourth downs they converted there with Matthew, with uh, Sam Darnold. So you get Kirk Cousins uh, putting it up and feeling very comfortable playing off the run. So a lot of quarterbacks are dependent on the running game, the offensive line coming through. The Vikings did that here for Cousins, so he could play ahead of the chains and uh, be there to answer everything the Panthers could do with Darnold. So. Great game by Cousins. He's a guy that uh, falls into top 12 more weeks than not, even in tough spots. When he has Cook in the running game going, Cousins in the passing game is going to get going. And that's what we saw here, the symbiotic relationship producing very well for fantasy football. All right, let's go to the Panthers. DJ Moore is having a bit of a tough time here because, look, everyone knows Sam Darnold is thrown to DJ Moore, and people can focus in on that. You did have Robbie Anderson score a touchdown, which I thought was interesting because – 
Anderson's had the blow up and the disappointment of this offense, but what really helped him was Terrace Marshall Jr. had a concussion, so pretty much came down to Moore and Anderson in the past game, and finally took Darnold when the game was on the line to throw to Anderson. It was just very hard to watch there. Force-feeding Moore, he couldn't get quite open here. He had some key drops. So, again, Darnold trusting a little bit too much in one wide receiver. Teams are keying in on that. So Anderson needs to become a bigger factor so Moore can do a little bit more damage here. That's what we need to see. And Darnold just has to play better. It's not a coincidence that he's really struggled without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. He doesn't have that check-down guy, reliable guy. You can take pressure off him and get some attention in the backfield. So, yeah, Darnold is not playable in fantasy right now. Moore should be fine, but... Not a surprise he's cooling off as uh, Darnold has not been able to diversify enough. And uh, they're going to regret, I think, trading Dan Arnold at tight end. He gave them a little bit more of a threat there. He went to the Jaguars. I don't know if they're going to get the return of the quarterback help there that they got. But, uh, yeah, that's also hurt Sam Darnold because we know there was a good relationship between him and the tight end. So, yeah, Anderson, hopefully he can build on this. more. hopefully he can play off Anderson a little bit better going forward. All right, let's go to Chicago, the last game we'll break down in this segment here. The Bears, they lose this game, but Khalil Herbert was the revelation. The rookie from Virginia Tech takes over the backfield with Damian Williams on the shelf with COVID-19 on top of his other injuries here. So the third man up really delivers for Chicago. Looked a lot like David Montgomery, running really well, controlled the line of scrimmage, got all the chunk runs, was good in the passing game, finished in the red zone. So... We'll see what happens when David Montgomery can return or even Damian Williams returning uh, here for the Bears. They do get a very tough matchup, however, against the Buccaneers' run defense. So Herbert really took advantage of the Packers' weakness. They're in their front seven to put up the big game. They leaned heavily on the run. This is what the Bears want to do. Take games out of Justin Fields' hands. You do have some developments here for Darnell Mooney and Al Robinson, but they grinded, grinded, grinded. Fields wasn't all that great. Herbert was awesome. He was the best rookie on the field for the Bears <coughs> and really covered what they want to do offensively. <coughs> but when you look at the Bears overall, I mean, they want to run, win these battles of attrition. It doesn't work, however, when Aaron Rodgers is on the other side. Pretty solid game for Devontae Adams. The Bears did what they could do to contain him. But the big game weren't to Aaron Jones. He was unstoppable on the ground through the air. A.J. Dillon still becoming a key guy. Not enough production there <coughs> behind Jones, but overall, you're looking at uh, Dylan uh, being still involved in the offense as a third target <coughs> on this team. So, excuse me there, but yeah, looking at the Packers, uh, this offense is going to run as much as it can and it'll really flow the offense through three guys Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones as much as possible. Hard to rely on anything else, even though Alan Lazard had a touchdown in this game. <coughs> All right, so we will continue in a moment. Looking at the next four games and the takeaways you need to know there from Sunday's action. But I do have to remind you about DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. and brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. <coughs> all right, excuse me once again. 
on this sh- uh, get battling a little bit here, but uh, going to get through because we've got to get to the takeaways here at Fantasy Football. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. So let's continue the show here and look at our next game that's on the ledger. That would be the Bengals-Lions game. This was in Detroit. All Bengals in this game. The Lions uh, did, however, get some decent numbers there. DeAndre Swift had a touchdown, and, D- and TJ Hawkinson had a good rebound game. Let's start quickly with them. Swift and Hawkinson, we've talked about this so much. These are the only two reliable lines any given week. And now the team is upset with Jared Goff. Will we change to David Blau? Uh, that may not be good for Hawkinson or Swift, or maybe the way that Goff is playing really poorly here. Look, Goff is a bridge quarterback anyway. Dan Campbell, he's not going to be the future here. They're going to look for a franchise quarterback. Campbell doesn't need to attach himself to Goff if he's not playing well. So we'll watch that, but still the Hawkinson and Swift show. For the Bengals, it has now become the triplet show. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and Jamar Chase. Now, that means they don't need T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. If Joe Mixon can do whatever he wants on the backfield, you got a nice support here from the rookie Chris Evans, who also scored on a receiving touchdown there from Burrow. If those guys are doing damage and Chase can do whatever he wants, stretching the field, making big plays, there's no need to really force the ball into T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. If you're struggling and you need a possession receiver and a slot receiver, then you're going to go that way. What's also hurting Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins is CJ Uzama at tight end coming through with big plays when needed as well from this team. So when the running backs are catching passes, Chase is stretching the field, making big plays. Uzama is coming in and being a factor. Uzama is going to hurt Boyd because it's, again, middle of the field option at tight end there. And uh, Joe Burrow general <coughs> spreading the ball around when it's not Chase and Mixon is going to hurt those guys. So that's what we're seeing. Chase is a wide receiver one every week. Mixon's an RB1 every week. And now, yes, Joe Burrow is a QB1. Great triplets there in Cincinnati. But, again, really hard to trust Higgins or Boyd from week to week given uh, how locked in Joe Burrow is and successful in throwing to Jamar Chase. We'll see if that changes this week against the Ravens. All right, the next game we'll talk about another blowout uh, there by Indianapolis. This time the home team did the damage here all over Houston here. So 31-3, Houston cannot even manage a touchdown. Let's quickly go over Houston just like we did with Detroit. Houston simply cannot do anything consistently in the running game or passing game. Brand Cooks, it was good to see the rebound game. However, if he's got a decent matchup, he's going to get the volume. He's going to produce everywhere else on the Texans' offense. Avoid, avoid, avoid. To kind of by committee, whether it's the wide receiver core that's not Cooks or running back between Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and David Johnson. So that was easy. Let's start with the Colts. Uh, still continue to start your defenses against Davis Mills and the Texans, especially if that defense is playing at home. Jonathan Taylor, red hot. He doesn't even need a lot of touches. He's getting it done in the running game. He's making big plays. He's finishing drives. Jonathan Taylor looks outstanding, and he's on fire here. And they're going to keep feeding him the ball now. He's been the ticket to more competitive explosive offense. He's a ticket to another win here. He was very good. Remember that win previously against Miami. So Jonathan Taylor, I think they've realized, let's stop messing with it. Jordan Wilkins was not available for this game. It's not Naeem Hines. Let's play the positive game script, get ahead of it, and really jump on teams so we can feed Taylor. And that's what happened here. (coughs) Good good developments there in the passing game as well with T.Y. Hilton returning and being a big factor. Paris Campbell scored on a long touchdown. So 
Carson Wentz had his uh, full complement of weapons. He went to work with those guys at a high level. Unfortunately, T.Y. Hilton got hurt again. Now it's a quad injury. Paris Campbell got hurt again. So what happened with the Hilton and uh, Campbell emergence is you saw Michael Pittman, who was on fire, take a back seat in a very good matchup for Michael Pittman. So we weren't sure Hilton was going to come back, but he does. He gets hurt again. Campbell, also not very durable, getting hurt after his big play score here. So we'll see how it goes going forward. Uh, they play the 49ers this week. It's a weak secondary. I know they're coming off a bye. They can adjust some things defensively, but we'll see how it goes if uh, Hilton and Campbell can continue playing. But, yeah, that was not a good development there for Michael Pittman, where we thought Carson Wentz was locked into Pittman, but as soon as Hilton and Campbell came back together, he was looking for the big plays and ignored Pittman a little bit as the shorter intermediate target versus uh, just going to the running game with Taylor for the big plays and stretching the field with Hilton and Campbell for the big plays. All right, the next um, game we'll go to is the Rams-Giants game. Yeah, a lot of blowouts in this uh, section that we're talking about. Really, all four blowouts in the end with the final scores. The Rams all over the Giants, 38-11. to Let's start with the Rams. What, what you expect? A lot of Cooper Cup, a lot of Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson has ascended to RB1 with his usage. Relentless. He's getting it done in the passing game. He's getting it done in the running game. He's staying healthy and durable over high volume that Cam Akers would have gotten, so... Good to see Daryl Henderson uh, doing all that damage here. And uh, Brandon Cook's uh, gone, so they're looking for that third option. Van Jefferson, Sean Jackson, Tyler Higby, they've kind of done that as the options. But the guys are consistently going to be there. Cooper Cup is a wide receiver one. Robert Woods scored again here. So he's had two scores plus the big game against the Seahawks in between there. So he's a, back into wide receiver two status every week here. So... That's where it's going to go. And then third option there between Higby and the wide receivers a little bit week to week. But uh, Henderson and Cup still the main sources of offensive production. For the Rams, tying it all that together is Matthew Stafford. A pretty consistent uh, middle to uh, high tier QB1 the way that Joe Burrow is for the Bengals every week. Now with the Giants, uh, really disappointing. Kadarius Tony, if you got excited about playing him, he went down early with an ankle injury. Sterling Shepard returned to be the leading receiver here. So we'll see what happens with... Tony going forward. Kenny Galladay already on the shelf with a knee hyperextension. Darius Slayton still not right with his hamstring. So circles back to Sterling Shepard being their number one receiver here. Uh, Daniel Jones did feed him, but it was a terrible game for Daniel Jones. Three interceptions. This Rams defense dominated him overall. So bad uh, force game coming back from a concussion. He just didn't seem right here, even though he was fully good to go before the game. And uh, Devontae Booker, so much for him really filling in for Saquon Barkley. They're going to have to look more at the rookie Gary Brightwell. So really terrible game for the Giants all around. If you played Sterling Shepard as a wide receiver three and a half or full point PPR, you were, you were okay. But just a disaster area now. The offensive line's falling apart. No Saquon, limited receiving core. Just not good vibes now for the Giants all of a sudden in that offense. <clears throat> and finally in this segment... <clears throat> Another blowout from a team in the NFC East. The Washington football team, what a mess here. Taylor Heineke, I think the star turn is over for him. He's finally hit a wall. And this happens with quarterbacks like this. We've seen it with the Nick Mullins types of the world. As teams start to figure them out, their tendencies, it's going to be brutal. So what happened here, this was a bad tendency. He stopped being aggressive and getting the playmakers the ball. So a lot of checkdowns to J.D. McKissick. Big throws to Logan Thomas, but that's about it here. So Terry McLaurin's value is really 
suffering here. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could be back here from his hip injury pretty soon. The Washington football team really needs a veteran to kind of facilitate these guys, get the hands of the ball on the playmakers. But what you're seeing is Taylor Heineke getting too cute, dumping off to McKissick, using his tight end, even without Logan Thomas. We want McLaurin to see the ball and command the ball and get it often here. Again, I get why Heineke's doing that. He's checking down, going to the guys he can trust here when things are not available downfield. The offensive line also really struggling for Washington. They were playing without Brandon Sheriff at the right guard and also Samuel Cosby, the fine uh, rookie right tackle from Texas. He's been on the shelf. So this offensive line kind of mishmash at this point, especially on the right side. They're not getting the consistent uh, running there from Antonio Gibson. They're not able to stick with that. So checking out of the receiving back and the tight end, and that's not good here for this Washington offense uh, going forward. Now for the Chiefs, no big problem here. Patrick Mahomes get well game. It was absolutely there. He had a fluky interception early when it got tipped. Tyree Kill missed another ball. It's just been kind of very fluky like that. But big game for Tyree Kill. Got going with a late touchdown. Travis Kelsey with another solid game here. Daryl Williams coming off the bench here to start for Clyde Edwards-Lair. So everything you wanted to see from the Chiefs offense came through. Even Miko Hardman with a pretty solid game here as a third receiver and a half of <clears throat> full point PPR. Part of the product of this Washington Defense, really not much there. And uh, we saw Kendall Fuller with a pick. There was another turnover. But really the Chiefs cleaned things up and just took over this game with their offense. So everything clicking. Maybe a bit of a wake-up call they needed to be trailing Washington early this game and then taking over the way they wanted, dictating the action. So good news for the Chiefs on that front here. That's what we can see. Get well game all around here after that Bills debacle. And we saw that in a really good pickup. We told you we like Daryl Williams a lot better than Devontae Booker. He just finishes drives. He's very good in pass protection. He's attached to the better offense. And he's a good touchdown scorer as well in the red zone. So really like the Chiefs get well game again. And that's what they do against weaker defenses such as Washington. All right, we still have uh, four more games to talk about. We'll get to those in our final segment. But I have to tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever this week. It's still time to get in on the limited time flavor, the cookie dough chunk bar. Get in it right now. That's why you love Built Bar. They always have these special flavors, but they also have great core flavors there. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? The only way you can get that decision is uh, getting a mix box. We get two each of their core nine flavors. We talked to a Built Bar fan, and I'm one of them. I'm definitely passionate about my favorites. A couple of them are peanut butter brownie and double chocolate. I also like salted caramel. You can also pick from coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie. And don't forget... Again, the limited time flavor, cookie dough chunk. There's something for everyone there. So check it out. All the Built Bars you get are soft and easy to chew, covered in 100% chocolate. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, only 4 grams net carbs, 18 grams protein, 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carbs in some of the other flavors. Built Bar flavors are the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Nine amazing core flavors, all tasty, all healthy. And always look out for that special flavor, such as cookie dough chunk. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We're back and better than ever. New web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's at BetOnline. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. We know NFL's been in full swing, but here comes the NBA about to tip off. Head to our new updated 
desktop or mobile website to sign up today at Bet Online and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, check it out where the game starts. All right, let's uh, close the show looking at four more games from Sunday and the most important takeaways you need there. We're now into the 405-425 window all the way through Sunday Night Football. The Cardinals jump all over the Browns here. It was not even a game. Cardinals is led from the get-go. The Browns struggling with turnovers from Baker Mayfield. Kyler Murray locked and loaded. He really distributed the ball well here all over the field. You had DeAndre Hopkins score a couple touchdowns. You had Christian Kirk score a touchdown. You had A.J. Green score a touchdown. The only guy that got left out of this party was Rondell Moore. So that was really disappointing. We wanted everyone to get a little bit involved. And said so you had Hopkins dominate here. This Browns pretty good secondary, by the way, with Denzel Ward and the rookie Greg Newsom. Not a problem at all for Kyler Murray dissecting it all over the field. They were just in complete control of this game. James Conner looked pretty good running out of the backfield. That's the problem. Chase Edmonds with a shoulder injury. Conner coming on. The usage of the, all these players in the passing game is really hurting the value of Chase Edmonds of late here. So two straight disappointing weeks for Edmonds. And if they have a positive game script where their defense is dominating, it's going to be more of Connor than Edmonds. And Connor a little bit touchdown dependent as well for his production. So that's been a bit frustrating, their usage of those guys, kind of sporadic week after week. Same thing with their wide receivers. The only guy that you can count on to be involved and do his thing every week, DeAndre Hopkins. Everyone else a little bit... Uh, Kind of matchup dependent where the outside matchups lie, where the inside is here. It was a little bit just too easy against the Browns where they could stick with the principles, throw to Hopkins, Green, and Kirk. Not a lot of need for Rondell Moore, the gadgetry play there in this game. So Moore, we just had to be very careful and look very specific. Is it going to be a high-scoring back-and-forth affair? That's also what we expected where a lot of these guys were going to get higher volume, but the Cardinals were in control. Their defense dominated the game. So really took care of just pouring it on here. So... Kyler's still getting the job done. He's got a right shoulder injury. That didn't seem to affect him here. He was very good. And even without the running, you're seeing Kyler Murray put up big numbers. That won't change. So do I chase A.J. Green and Christian Kirk and put them in every week? No. Something just to be wary that, again, Hopkins for sure you can trust. I'm not sure anything else is a given with his Cardinals offense away from Kyler Murray in any given week. All right, let's look at the Browns. And really, this was a disaster for their running game. Nick Chubb didn't play. Kareem Hunt got hurt in the game here. This can move the ball consistently. Had a few fourth down stops that were not there. Baker had the left shoulder injury, played through it, but made some bad decisions, lost some fumbles. This makeshift offensive line without some key components was disappointing as well. A lot of penalties also. So the Browns offense in quite dysfunction here. When the running game's not working, their offensive line's not working, things trickle down, and they can't get the downfield passing working consistently. That said, Baker looked pretty good when he wasn't thrown to Odell Beckham Jr. forcing the ball. Key situation. Donovan Peoples-Jones, a revelation there. So, really, I think they need to pivot to making DPJ the go-to guy for Mayfield over OBJ. I think he just likes throwing to people that are not OBJ. David Njoku had a bad drop there. You had Beckham drop a fourth down play inside the red zone. So, really, they need to trust some guys that can make big plays. You had DPJ make the Hail Mary catch. There at the end of the first half, we thought the Browns might be 
mounting a comeback there. It did not happen. They kind of melted down in the second half. No hunt didn't help, and the Cardinals pulling away didn't help. So really bad performance all around from the Browns' defense. We expected more out of them. And the Browns' offense, again, I'm, I'm going to start to believe more in Peoples-Jones. Hopefully Jarvis Landry can return. I think they need to feed Austin Hooper more in the passing game. We'll see about Chubb, if he can return from his calf injury. Hunt had a calf injury. We'll see. It could be a backfield of Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton there for this game against the Broncos on Thursday night. So quick turnaround as well with all the health issues with the offensive line. Baker feeling it. It got roughed up and had to come out of the game in a bad situation there. And uh, looking at the running backs here. So Brown's a little bit of a disaster area for reality and fantasy right now. So hopefully things will get better here and turn the corner. Baker has shown a little bit more the past two weeks with multiple touchdowns, but he's got to cut down on the turnovers, and he's got to do a little bit better at finishing so we think we can have big games from Baker instead of trying to squeeze out decent games from him, which didn't happen here with the turnovers. All right, let's go to uh, the next game. This is the 425 window. The Broncos getting taken to by the Raiders. The Raiders seem liberated, didn't they? Without John Gruden, their offense with Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, Came out firing at Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs. There's the real Henry Ruggs, making big plays, looking like the number one receiver stretching the field. Darren Waller looked pretty good, but Ruggs definitely getting more involved now as the key target. So they went were aggressive, threw downfield to Ruggs and Waller. That middle future checkdowns and shorter passes to Hunter Renfro here. And also hurting him was Kenyon Drake, the usage of him in the passing game, playing off Josh Jacobs. Finally, he had some good effective usage. For Drake as kind of a change of pace cog for both the running games from Jacobs and uh, taking in what Renfro had. So kind of just seemed like they were running the thing they really wanted to do with here with Derek Carr, and the results were very good. Jacobs got in the end zone, rushing two anomalous touchdowns by Kenny Drake, but I think they're going to keep using him here as a key cog. They need some help beyond uh, rugs in the passing game, but wide receiver, they Kind of touted Drake as a wide receiver running back hybrid. They used him in the right way in this one. So I feel like they were being reined in and restricted here, but really like the loosey-goosey version of the Raiders' offense in this one. It really paid off here in many ways as uh, their principles really produced in this game nicely here for the Raiders. And good to see Ruggs come into the mix as more of a reliable wide receiver three now with his offense. Now, Pretty darn good game for the Broncos wide receiver and tight end as well. Noah Fant scores, Cortland Sutton scores, Tim Patrick scores. So Teddy Bridgewater, a really good streaming option here in this matchup against the Raiders. He did come through there. The running back still split here between Melvin Gordon and uh, Javonta Williams. You want one of them to break away to really feel good about them. But yeah, feel good about uh, Sutton as a wide receiver two every week. Patrick as a wide receiver three. Noah Fant is a pretty consistent tight end one. Williams and Gordon, however, stay as flex plays. If they're going to open up in the passing game, have negative game scripts, that's where the Broncos are going to go, and that's what we saw in this game. The next game was the marquee event, the Patriots and the Cowboys. And Let's start with the Patriots. They put up a good fight. It was a grind for the offense in a lot of cases. You had the big play to Kendrick Bourne there late that gave the Patriots a lead. Shocking coming back from the Trayvon Diggs pick six that we thought – put the game away for the Cowboys, but big game for Mac Jones. But uh, Dak Prescott was there for every answer. They had a couple red zone turnovers there. Didn't matter one bit. The Cowboys were relentless. Dak was amazing. For the Patriots, uh, two guys that I trust in this offense, Najee Harris, Hunter, or you look at 
Damian Harris, we got ahead of ourselves on Harris, another Harris from Alabama, which we'll talk about in the Steelers game, but Damian's still looking good, went over 100 yards here, got a touchdown. They also put in Ramondre Stevenson in a change of pace, but I think he's going to be limited with his touches because he's not as good in third down and picking up pass protection, but Stevenson looked good as a complimentary back. But Harris is still the man here, 100 yards, got a big workload. He's the guy they trust in most situations, so he's the guy... Hunter Henry still the preferred trusted tight end over Jonah Smith. He scores again for third straight week here. So he's locked and loaded as a back end tight end one. Jacoby back. Sorry about that. Jacoby Myers with a big breakout game, but he didn't score the touchdown there. So that's the one thing missing from Jacoby Myers and his usage. Henry is the touchdown maker. Harris is as well. So. That's where this Patriots offense is going to flow pretty much. And excuse me for that, but yeah, fighting through myself, uh, the way the Cowboys fought through there to uh, put up those big numbers. So we knew someone was going to be taken away. We knew it could be Amari Cooper, and he was contained. But CeeDee Lamb went off. You just cannot stop this Cowboys offense. They're going to get it done with who, no matter what. Zeke Elliott looked pretty solid. Couldn't get in the end zone. But CeeDee Lamb looking for that monster game from him. He finally got it, including the game-winning touchdown. Two scores for Lamb. Dak and Lamb were just uh, kind of in the zone in all over the field here. So great performance by Dak. Lamb back into wide receiver one category. Cooper falling in more wide receiver two. Dalton Schultz uh, had an opportunity there, but Blake Jarwin had the touchdown instead. So we liked uh, Schultz a little bit this game. We thought it could be disappointing, and it was, because Patriots were pretty good against the tight end, and the Jarwin touchdown really hurt there if you were playing Schultz and looking for production in this game. But Dak... QB1, let's hope he's all right with the calf. He's elite now again. Elliott looking good. So good time to bye week and get everyone healthier and good to go here coming out of the bye into week eight. All right, now, now I can finally talk about Najee Harris on the Steelers. He's just the lifeblood of their offense. 23-20, to 20, they escape in overtime against the Seahawks. But Najee looking really good as a runner, as a receiver, finishing drives. And another rookie was the revelation of this one, Pat Freermuth at tight end. He looked really good. They finally used him, part of it by necessity, with Juju Smith-Schuster out. We used to see this, remember, when they were struggling at slot receiver. If someone was down, they would pivot to Heath Miller, and he would have a big role at tight end. This is what's happening. Freermuth looks like Heath Miller 2.0 here, so using him quite a bit here. Eric Ebron, unfortunately, pilfered a touchdown for both. Harrison Freermuth, because uh, he had a rushing score, of all things. So he stole one from Najee, a second one there. And uh, Freermuth, uh, they decided to go with Ebron in the red zone. So if they can give them a little bit more looks in scoring position, that'll be nice for the Steelers. But we thought Freermuth could get involved at some point. It was there. Harris is the lifeblood of what they're trying to do offensively. Chase Claypool was a bit banged up with a hamstring coming into the game. They contained him. The Seahawks tried to protect against the big play. Deontay Johnson with another solid outing. All right, on the Seahawks side of things, there was no Russell Wilson, so we had uh, Geno Smith, and as predicted, it was a really tough go for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to get going here downfield at wide receiver. It was all about the uh, running back here, and Alex Collins looked pretty good. He got hurt at the end of the game with multiple injuries there. We'll see how that plays out. But 100 yards rushing, the Seahawks turned their uh, running game heavily in this one. It kept them in the game. They played a little bit better defense, complimentary football and all that. So completely different type of team. They don't go aggressive for the downfield passing the way they did with Wilson, not with the same results and efficiency. We knew that was going to be an issue. So 
just hang in there and hope to get the best you can out of Lockett and Metcalf. But Collins, it was a shame that he went down, and we'll see if Rashard Penny can be healthy to take over the backfield with Chris Carson out. So, yeah, let's watch Collins. Uh, they really like him. This is why he showed that here in this game. But, yeah, limitations for sure in the passing game for the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. All right, so there's a look now at all the 12 games there from the Sunday action of week number six here. And and thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert analysis from the NFL in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. Don't forget tomorrow is uh, Pickup Tuesday where we look at the waiver wire for week number seven. For Locked On Fantasy Football, thanks for bearing with me. It's a bit of a battle here, but we're getting you what you need here on Locked On Fantasy Football every week. We don't stop till the season ends five days a week here for you, Locked On Fantasy Football. For Locked On Fantasy Football, this is Vinny Iyer. Have a great day, and good luck if you've got stuff going on Monday Night Football.